All right. This is Eli. Good morning. All right. Driving here in my motor car, heading south out of Oakland, back to Palo Alto for another long day of making um, pumpkins and some cups out of glass today, and then teaching. private lesson welding fabrication tonight tomorrow's another big day I've got to head to uh, up north uh, Napa area north of Santa Rosa uh, to work for a lighting company and then return back down to Palo Alto in the evening for uh, cute little trinkets. Actually, I think I'm also going to make some uh, little stir sticks with a pony head. Everybody loves a pony head stir stick, right? Um, I was thinking this morning I was going to case that book in um, and talk to you about making a book case, but then I realized actually what I could really tell you about was how to give a tattoo, um, how to set up a tattoo machine, and uh, how to give a tattoo which is also another good tangent um, to get me on, and I'm sure that you'll be interested in, because if you like listening to this weird stuff, you're going to love hearing about tattoos. Um, you know, I think tattoos are really important. Um, great quote. is, and I don't trust anybody that doesn't have a bad tattoo. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, you know, that's not totally true. Well, I can trust you. But um, I think it's important to uh, mark some moments in time with, um, you know, little silly doodles. Yeah. Uh, especially if all you have are good tattoos. Well, we got time. Um, I started giving myself tattoos when I was 11 years old. And then it wasn't until I was 25 that I actually got a machine. Or as you're not supposed to call it, a gun. Uh, so I got my first tattoo machine when Joey and I lived in uh, Tacoma. Joey had been borrowing. Him and his dad went in, went halfsies on a tattoo set up. Like a cheap, cheapo, like buy the whole kit from like Element Tattoo Supply. And... Um, you know, had like skulls and shit on it. And so they would share that. And then I got to use that some. And um, that was when I really started to study about it and learn about it. Uh, before I'd been just stick and poke and messing around and learning through um, giving myself tattoos, giving people, giving people tattoos, party tattoos. Uh, always getting myself sucked into a late night three or four hour tattoo session what would seem like a quick one then it'd be you know next thing you know you're deep in halfway through a drawing and it's you know, already been two hours back in the drinking days um so tattoos uh a tattoo machine is um Built from the, the old school style, the old school style of the magneto tattoos um, are it's a, it's a magnet, it's a coiled magnet that is essentially was taken from like a, like a phone has the same mecha, an old um, an old phone bell ringer has the same mechanism in it uh, where. The magnet coil pulls the the ringer, the mechanism, towards it, and uh, then as it does it, it opens the circuit, disconnects the power to the coils, it opens the circuit, which then turns off the magnet. And there's a spring on this mechanism that then returns it 
to the original position, which is a closed circuit, which turns the magnets on again, which pulls it back, and the spring then returns it. And so that happens in a very rapid fashion. And that's how in those um, in the old-timey phones, back when they had bells on them, mechanical bells that would ring, and the same as like a bell on the wall at the school, the ring, ding, 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 ding. bell, that thing is, a, is this same mechanism. It's coils pulling a piece of steel off of the circuit and um, opening rapidly, opening and closing the circuit. A really exciting invention, probably invented in like, you know, mid-1800s or something. Um, and Then those, the original tattoo machines were built off of these. Because you just make the coil or you could get a, you know, a, a phone bell or anything that had that mechanism in it. Um, and turn that into a tattoo machine. So you've got that part and then there's the, the body that just holds that. And those bodies can be, um, oftentimes are made out of steel but from what I've understood is that if you do make them out of steel, that actually can eventually, those, the steel becomes magnetized, steel and iron, um, magnetic, and so it becomes magnetized, and that can actually throw off the power of your machine uh, eventually. Um, so there is some preference in having other materials um, non-magnetic, non-ferrous metals in there. Uh, but the rigidity of steel is very desirable also. Um, so having a nice rigid machine is helpful. Um, they're incredibly heavy. The, uh, you know, that the magnetic, the coils and that part is quite heavy. Um, and so it's a very awkward kind of tool, uh, a drawing tool, because you have this big heavy weight and what it would do is um, the tip of the tattoo machine is the part that you hold in your hand like a pencil and you hold that and then at the end of that pencil at the end of the other side of the tip is the is the magneto mechanism that um, drives this needle and that is like it's a, so it's like the eraser side of your pencil having this huge counterweight that you would then set onto your hand, and so you hold like a pencil with the uh, mechanism setting onto the back in between your thumb and finger, kind of in that uh, on the top of your hand or the back of your hand, and so there's there's a way that you can kind of hold it that lets it rest somewhat in there, and you don't want to grip it tight; you want to kind of keep a loose grip so that um, because it's such a heavy thing, if you do have a tight grip, you're just going to uh, cramp your hand and, and you won't be able to draw anything. Um, but and this has all shifted in the last 15, 20 years with new machines. Um, uh, rotary machines are became quite popular and then... Um, there's even new kind of like I'm not even sure there's some sort of piston drive or something where it's uh, it's really much more like a pencil. There's also air-powered ones, um, and there's all sorts of newfangled things. And these things have been around for a bit, but they weren't catching in popular. It took a while for them to become popular because um, because of the traditions of tattooing and tattoo shops that they're very slow to change and move and still a lot of shops don't just use these old style tattoo machines and you can get plenty of them and they're and they work great um and they're just they're very prohibitive uh to a beginner model because they're such an awkward drawing tool uh, but now these new ones new rotary machines and these little kind of cosmetic um machines are quite powerful and small and comfortable and light 
and they make make it a whiz to get a bad tattoo. So um, very much appreciate this growth in that um, in those mechanisms. So um, you've got this magnet, and then you've got the body. You've got your tip that holds the tattoo, and it used to be that those tips were steel tips and a steel hand, which made the whole thing even heavier. Um, but those have pretty much, and that all those needed to be autoclaved each time. They need to be cooked um, to remove or sterilized in some way. Um, where, and it's a little, a boiling doesn't quite do it. Boiling will get everything except for hep C. And hep C is the one thing that you have to be worried about in kind of um, mass production tattoos and also when you're using straws in your nose. Um, and so hep C for a while was much more of a worry. It certainly still is. Um, and that's the thing that really is. Uh, you, you can cook everything else off with boiling. Um, but hep C, you need to get it to, um, I think it's around 250 degrees. And I think having it in a sealed environment, you can't just bake it in the oven because that isn't a sealed environment. <laughs> Though it probably, I mean, I think because you're going to take it out of there and it's not actually going to be. So, I'm sure, and so the, the an autoclave is a pressure cooker essentially, and so you're going to be able to get the temperature high and under pressure and create an environment that things cannot survive in. Um, so maybe the reason you want to bake it is just because it, it fucked things up. I don't know. It's a really controlled the the pressure cooker situation. Autoclave is really great because it very much controls that environment for you um and it's it is safe if used correctly um but like any of these great tools you know they're it's a it's a it's dangerous uh, it's dangerous to use the tool it's dangerous to rely on it it's dangerous to give a tattoo uh, so more fun with danger uh so those tips now the little tube, it used to be a tube and a tip, but now it's just all one thing is just a plastic thing you can buy and you just get it as one unit. And you get them, the tips fit a certain size needle and it used to be that you'd have one tube that would hold the tips and the different sizes, but now you just get the whole thing as one unit that fits a certain size needles and the needles are um it is a metal rod that's probably about you know a little slighter than a 16th um gosh maybe they're 16 gauge or something like that um rod with a little loop at one end and the other side is the needles that are soldered onto it uh, originally used bug needles like the kind of needle that you'd use to pin a bug down if you want to have a little bug display those were the ones that were small enough and sharp enough and available um to use so you'd get bug needles and then you'd have your needle um, the needle rod for that, and then it would solder it onto there. So you take the, you'd have a, you have a little jig that holds your bug needles, and then you solder them on because you want multiple needles, multiple little tiny needles on soldered onto the the needle rod, um, and generally like a five a grouping of five is pretty common and that for a long time was kind of the small size was a a tight five for making lines or maybe you'd have a little bit looser of a five for shading 
and then you could go up from there. Now there is a, there's more use of threes and even single needles, but those are even harder to use because when you get so small, there's a tendency to um, that it really can cut the flesh. Um, I mean, any of them, if a type five can, if you're not really careful, you can really just all you're doing is cutting and abrading the flesh. Um, but uh, a type five is a very common one, and then you would have a tip that has a kind of round shape or a little diamond shape, so that it kind of holds it in that group, um, in the groove of the diamond. And then from there, you can get a little bigger. Usually, the groupings don't get the round grouping wouldn't get bigger than a nine, and even that's a bit large. Um, a five or a seven, and then you get into a what's called a mag, which is more of a flat, like a paintbrush type. And the mags would be like the 12 and 15. And those then you could use usually for shading or drawing a very thick line. And those, anything over a 15 is just harder to push uh, with these magnetic machines. Um, that getting them into the flesh correctly, like if you have too many needles and trying to get them all in at once, it's hard to get them in right and it's hard to control it. And the amount of power that you're going to need and then the ability for it to really kind of do some damage is also there too. So generally, traditionally, it was kind of in that range of like five up to a 12. Um, Certainly, that varies from different traditions at different shops and different people. Um, so, and then those tips that hold those are then also going to be a little bit, they look different. They look kind of more wide and like a paintbrush kind of looking um, so that the needle will lay in there. Now, to get that needle to lay in, there's a couple different parts that go into that. You've got your drive shaft mechanism that's on that's attached to the uh the magneto the little um the spring that is being pulled down um you're going to have a certain amount of that spring will be a certain gauge metal and made out of a high carbon tool steel and that actual tool steel the variation in that the hardening that you would the put that metal through because you know to make a spring have its springness you need to heat treat it in a certain way and that heat treating the variation that heat treating can vary that spring tension whether it's softer or harder and the gauge of the metal the thickness of the metal also can make makes a big difference a little bit makes a big difference um then you can also slightly bend those that there'd also you would you would traditionally open that up and kind of bend that in just a certain way and that's the kind of thing where you would set up a certain machine for a certain needle and also a certain type of flesh because certain flesh is going to be harder than other flesh and so having your machine set up that you might have one for a, a, what's called a liner and another called a shader and you might have your liners really specifically set up to do a five and a seven and one that hits a little harder one hits a little softer because like if you're doing the soft skin like on the inside of a wrist or a thigh as compared to the you know a forearm or um on a bicep that something's a little thicker and harder and, and more resilient, you might um, hit it a little harder. And you're also then going to be adjusting your power supply uh, that will change the amount of power to those magnets. And so those is a big, huge amount of variables there uh, in making that do the thing you want it to do as well as how you hold it in your hand and and apply that um, force then um 
The other is the throw, the length that that needle is going to be going in and out. Both the amount that it pokes out of the tip, but also the throw, the, the actual up and down uh, moment, because you can really like to get a good view and to be able to see that needle and really control where you're putting it, having a long throw can be helpful because you can really you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room to kind of see what's going on. But you also then make it so that you have potential to go way too deep. Uh, if your throw, if you have a long throw sticking way out of the tip, you can really see it. Um, but then, um, if you're not really, really, really careful, you can really easily um, tear things up and go too deep. Um, and so, um, a lot of variables, a lot of variables. So, now you've got your needle, and you've got your machine, and... You have a power supply and a foot pedal. The power supply is a DC power supply. It's just a standard DC voltage uh, rheostat adjuster of the voltage. And you, you have an up and down um, little knob on that. And then the foot pedal is just an on-off switch, a uh, momentary switch. And so you can all sorts of different kind of momentary switches are fine. Really, you're just connecting to, a, a, you're just closing a circuit by stepping on a thing. Uh, and you can have it, you can do that in a number of different ways. All of the turning it off and on can wear that circuit, and you, wherever you have metal making contact, um, will slowly over time oxidize because you have a little tiny spark happening there and that can that arc like when you're welding and the will create an oxygenate oxygenation on the surface of the metal and so those will need to be cleaned depending on that mechanism. same with on your coils and where that spring is hitting you're going to have uh, a little spot of uh, oxidization there that you're going to want to uh, pay attention to and occasionally clean. So you got this power supply, your DC power supply, and that's got a little knob you can turn up and down. And then you've got your clip cords that go into the machine. It's just this crazy little spring thing. And it's another one of those things traditionally is just like that's what has always been that way. It's just started to switch to these RCA, which is also a really great kind of positive connection that's a always is it positive and it, as it it's always a mechanically a solid connection lots of contact area um, on those on the circuit um, but most of the old school machines it's just a clip cord um, they and it's like a a spring it's basically a spring and either side of the spring kind of is a connection and you put that where the spring is just holding and so inside of the spring is this insulated wire and then is is the positive and negative on either side of the spring and the spring then when you flex it into like a c shape then that wants to push out, and so that creates the positive action into the little, um, into the holes that hold that um, positive and negative. Um, so, clip cord, foot switch power source that's one into your machine so you've got this power and you can make the magnet do the up and down thing and then you want to get your needle on to you've got your bug needles soldered onto your needle rod and now you want to put the needle into your machine and you also have a um, a tip and tube set up there whether a plastic one or you've autoclaved your 
antique stainless steel um, tip and tube setup. And now you want to get the needle in there. One thing you might want to do, and this is like I've seen both both of the this done and not done, is to bend the needle slightly so that it kind of has a little bit of a curve to it. Like it arcs almost in like maybe a quarter inch into into the middle, quarter or three eighths of an inch. Um and, and that's like on on the needle rod rather than needle the little bug needles, but the needle rod itself, it being kind of a you know five or six inch long um rod and it's you've bent it slightly and so I believe if I got this right the curve goes on the inside of the curve like you're gonna the bug needles are gonna be soldered onto one side of that rod and so those would be on the inside of the curve and then that would make it so then when you put it you hook the loop end of the needle over the coil the drive mechanism the little um shaft the the curve would be going in towards the machine and it essentially makes the needle a little bit more straight into the tube tip so that when it's going up and down, it's a little tighter in there rather than coming at kind of an angle, which is like another, it's like a little bit like some of this stuff is like, well, why don't we just make the machine hold it right? You don't got to bend it. And I think that also some people's machines and the way that they use the machine, it doesn't need to, you don't need to bend the needle. Because then the next thing you're going to do after you've got your needle bent and placed in there, um, is you're going to take a rubber band and wrap it around and you're going to take one or two or three or you're going to fold one rubber band because also another thing you're going to use is rubber bands and it's a certain kind of small like you know two inch diameter little black rubber band that is traditionally the rubber band used to hold the needle against the coils to give a little bit of tension in there because this whole thing's rattling around really crazy you kind of want to hold it in place because you need to have a smooth um you know in and out penetration happening from that needle so um the other part is on that shaft that the the the, the drive shaft mechanism that the needle is going to go over the needle loop is going to hook over you're going to have a little grommet a little rubber grommet and that rubber grommet is also something that is just a tattoo supply that you can you can purchase but another one that's pretty common is to use um take four or five uh, take a piece of toilet uh, uh paper towel you tear it into a strip that's about one inch long by three inches long, and then you fold that into four or five pieces. So you have essentially like a three and three quarter inch by three quarter inch square of paper towel that is five, four or five paper towels thick. And then that you put it over that knob, and then you push the needle over that, and that is your grommet. And that is a, from what I've understood, that's an American prison system way of dealing with the fact that you just aren't going to be able to have that grommet. That grommet is you just is such a small little thing to keep around and hard to find and replace. And the other things are a little bit easier to get and deal with. But that little fucking grommet, if you don't have that grommet, like you can't, it's not going to work. You can't make the machine go. But this is a great workaround is this. And I started using that technique of just of skipping the grommet and just using the paper towel. And it really does hold the, the needle because it's not rotated. Nothing's rotating. So it's like the bearing surface. It's, it's just a bushing, really. Um, and that's what that grommet is doing. And it's not rotating within there. So you're not having a wear on it. It's just an up and down uh, mechanism, just holding it on there. It's a little bushing on the clamp. Um, okay, so then, so that's, you've got your little grommet set up, you've got your needle 
on there, use grommet or paper towel, and you get the needle on the shaft, and then the post, and then um, you've bent your needle or not, and then you've used the rubber band to create the right amount of tension. And that you don't want too much tension because you're kind of having to work like this is all bearing down on those magnets. And so each time you're kind of creating that pressure, it's like making the system tighter, but it's also making the magnets work harder. And um, depending on the coils and the power of that and your power supply. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um you have to take into account those um, moments of like how much uh, how much can you do how much can you hold that really tight in place and still get a good penetrative and even throw from your needle um, so got that attached you got the needle on there power supplies working got your needle on there you got a rubber banded down you got your tip on you've been wearing gloves you've been changing gloves every four seconds this whole time making sure everything's super clean um now you're gonna put your cord in a nice little plastic tube you're gonna put a the ziploc bag you're gonna cut a little tip out of the ziploc bag you're gonna put a little ziploc baggie over your machine so the machine is protected so that you don't have to autoclave the machine and then everything that's exposed can get thrown away so the tip and the needle will get disposed of single use and you'll be really careful about all of your surfaces and um all of the like if anything is you know within 18 inches of um blood then it, it should be um considered to either be you know protected or disposed of uh, and so you put this shield over it you can use i mean i'm sure you can get they probably make little certain size baggies and stuff for that stuff So, getting close to applying a tattoo, getting close to, you know, ruining your or somebody else's life, um, changing their life um, for the better. And, um, but here's the thing, you don't even know what you're going to, you don't, you know, you've been spending all this time thinking about the machine and you don't know about um, what kind of tattoo you're going to give or, um, even how to really apply it. And those are two other super deep parts of study um, is applying the tattoo, getting a stencil on there. First, you gotta be able to draw a picture or figure out a picture that you could draw. Then you need to be able to transfer that onto the skin so that you can have a um, something to work from. You can have a, a drawing that is actually on the skin. Because once you start tattooing, and once you've got ink all over that thing, as in human flesh, um, you, uh, man, it's hard to see. Wow. Um, so having a good stencil um, or a drawing on the flesh is really important because the way that you're going to need to apply that tattoo is going to be such that you're not going to be able to really tell. You're going to be stretching the skin and coming in at an angle that will prohibit you from being able to see exactly where you are in the drawing. Uh, whereas with if you're making a drawing on paper, you're looking at the paper, you step back, you can kind of see where your line's going, you can... You can follow in your mind's eye with your pen and put the line where you need it. And this is if you're actually good at drawing and you've spent a lot of time drawing or practicing your drawing, you can draw things when you can see them. But when you're giving a tattoo, you're in a position and you're holding the person in a position and you're stretching the skin in such a way the distortion is so extreme that you can't 
accurately tell just from looking, pulling back. And oftentimes the whole thing is just covered in inks. He can't even see the rest of the drawing anyways. Um, or some of it is. And depending on how you're setting that up, you really just, your hands are in the way and everything is prohibiting you from being able to see correctly. And um, you've got a real live person there. This is a uh, this is a one shot forward progress only moment. Uh, you know, there's no fixing mistakes. Uh, but that's also that's a wonderful part of this. Uh, the tension and the pressure of giving a tattoo is so extreme and wonderful. And if you can actually perform under these conditions and make a nice craft thing. The, um, the mental reward is really wonderful to get out on the other side and to look at it and be like, wow, I did a thing. Uh, <clears throat> also, nothing like getting out on the other side and being like, well, I, you know, I messed that up. That's going to be forever. <clears throat> but, um, you know, that's also the fun of it. Um, the, the two tattoos i've gotten in shops one of them when i was 18 actually heard the tattoo artist say whoops uh and then gosh the other one also they were both they both had big mistakes in them. um and that was is one of my favorite things it's like actually going to a professional and paying for that um, resulted in worse mistakes than and party tattoos um so all right, now let's back up. Let's put the machine down. We've got it all set up. We know it works. We know um, we can see the needle sticking to the tip. We figured out like that we want a long throw, and we're going to be really careful with that needle. And we've got a tight five and a tight five tip, and we're ready to make a nice little line. It's not too tiny, but it's going to be pretty tiny. Um, you're going to need some ink. And probably just getting like a dense liner tattoo ink from a tattoo company like National Tattoo Supply is like a great way to start. You know, you just get a good dense SUBI ink, and it's really just a charcoal-based ink that is—it's a you know, often it's a water or a glycerin substrate. But that's a little bit like what is that? What is that actually? that's you know a little bit secretive that stuff not a hundred percent um like uh you know it's i think that all we're all we really know is it doesn't have lead in it uh, which is great that's a great thing to know um but it, you know traditionally you might be making this stuff yourself you might be taking some vegetables and burning the shit out of them and then mixing in a medium a water glycerin medium to make something that um is a an ink that you could use uh and you might even if you really want to give them the comebacks put a couple tears in there that's a traditional one of my favorite things is story of Putting a couple of tears in the tattoo artist will give the person your tattoo the comebacks, and they will come back to you for another tattoo. Uh, so probably, I'm guessing that that's probably, um, I don't think there's much of a way to medically like make that. Can you get sterile tears from your lacrimatory? Can you put a lacrimatory in the autoclave? And uh, make your tears sterile. Uh, we'd like to know. Inquiring minds would like to know about sterilizing in our tears. Um, so you're going to just buy your ink these days. Unless you want to get a potato and burn it. Um, which I totally encourage you to do. And... Um, The density of that ink is going to vary. And, like, how that ink, like, what the quality is. And that's, like, 
you know, that's the kind of stuff that it's like experimentation and getting the knowledge in while working in a shop or working around people is going to be um, part of that craft. And that's part of what I really love about the tattoo craft is that this stuff is still so much an oral tradition. It's just very little of it is um, written down and available that it's like, you know, it's like this is the... Um, it's the stuff that you need to learn in a shop and, and learn from trial and error and be willing to experiment and have other people experiment on you and kind of know the quality yourself of what you're looking at to be able to take that ink and kind of, you know, dip a pen in it and spread it across the paper and be able to look and examine and see what you're dealing with there. You know, to see the colors, to see the density of the ink, to see the richness, to feel it, to know what you're getting into. Um, and then to know how to also to cut it down with water to make it uh, get into your gray washes and all that is... Um, there's certainly um, ways that you can like I'm doing here is kind of is learn about it and, and um, get closer to the source of the knowledge, but the real knowledge comes from um, experience and um, working around other people that have that experience and giving you those kind of real touch and feel uh, abilities. So uh, now we've got some ink. And we've got the machine. We need to get a stencil onto this flesh. We've got a drawing we want to use. We're good at drawing. So we've made some drawings. We've made a bunch of sketches, and then we turned it into a really nice drawing, and we feel really comfortable with this drawing. Like we could, we could draw this drawing. We know all the lines really well. And that's also really important when you're doing a tattoo. Is like if you're just copying another drawing, you haven't spent a lot of time drawing it yourself, um, you're going to find that when you're in that tattoo deep in there with your headlamp on and in those little parts is that if you know that drawing intimately and those lines intimately, you're going to have a way better time making that thing look good than if you're just copying lines. Because the subtlety of line density and curves and little moments in the line where you might have little gaps in the lines or little openings or where they cross, where they meet, where they don't. Like all that is like so important to a drawing that if you know that drawing well, then you're gonna have way better time making that drawing look really good when you're replicating it on the flesh. Um, because again, like when you're drawing it on paper, you can step back and kind of work those lines in. And when you're tattooing, you often don't have as much of that step-back ability where you kind of are, you know, you're looking at a small patch that's clean and that's stretched out and that you're just in a little area. And so knowing um, the subtleties of all those lines is really, really helpful. But again, not important to actually get a tattoo on the flesh. You don't need to know any of that stuff. You want to just tatty blast it on there. Man, you sure can. Uh, High fives all around. So um, a stencil, an old school style of stencil, is to um, take a piece of acetate, a piece of clear plastic, and put that over your drawing and use a scribe tool and scribe that, like scratch into that plastic. Um, the line, the drawing, um, and then so that acetate. Then these these like existed in shops as a standard way to apply the tattoo stencil. Is that you just take this piece of plastic and it's got all these little the drawing scratched into it, and then you rub graphite powder onto that. Um, onto that acetate and so you kind of get the graphite powder stuck into that um into the scratches like like wood in like an etching plate like making a print from a copper plate 
and you'd be rubbing the ink into the plate and then you wipe off the whole plate and clean it off except the ink is stuck into those um, lines and then you take that and you transfer that onto you put that onto the flesh and it leaves the impression like a stamp like an you know like an etching press um and then you can also use a um a medium uh green soap is a really common used substance and that is a castile soap um that i'm not totally sure chemically what it is that is um, makes graphite soften it up and it will it, it will transfer. So you can use it to transfer graphite pencil lines, um, these scratchings into an acetate stencil, or a drawing pencil drawing, or a carbon transfer if you're using. Um, a carbon transfer whether you're using that by pushing onto a piece of paper using the carbon transfer or a printout a carbon transfer printout another old school technique is to use a deodorant and certain types of deodorant have this like chemical and i don't know if it's the in the castile soap it's a glycerin or what is in there that is um softens up the um the graphite, but that's, uh, I mean, that's one of my favorites. Like, there's certain type of, like, you know, deodorant, this kind of, like, you know, the old school, like, antiperspirant green, gosh, I can't even remember the name of these from, like, junior high, you know, the really stinky ones. Uh, and you rub that on there, and then you'd have your pencil drawing on a piece of paper, and you stick that on there, and it would, you know, transfer this pencil drawing. Um, but Green soap is generally the soap that's used to both clean it, but also to transfer that um, ink. So you get that, the skin prepared, you clean the skin, um, carefully shave the hair off and wash it and get that prepared. And then put on, you know, this green soap or some sort of the substrate that is going to transfer um, that ink and then you apply it and this old school acetate like nobody uses that style anymore um, because it doesn't it doesn't flex the same and it was it used to be back when they didn't weren't so careful with like gloves and things you'd use the same one on multiple people and you can't really safely use the same acetate um, on multiple people you could make one and use it on a person and then throw it away but it's easier now the technique is really to just print it out uh, print out a carbon transfer and then make it then you can just print as many as you want you print it the right size you transfer it you make it bigger smaller um also pencil drawing for a long time was was a technique also where you would um trace it with pencil and then you've got pencil and paper and you have to need to reverse you know you need to trace the back side of it so that when you transfer it it ends up in the right direction um, but um gonna get on 101 here south 101 south um so Practicing those transfers is is crucial because getting a good tight transfer is like that's again that's your that's your what you're looking at and that's your um, reference drawing there and um, if that is clean and tight little lines that's gonna be easy to use and if it's not if it's like all smudgy and thick and double printed you're not gonna know where the heck you are when you're in there making that when you're in there uh, given that tatty blaster so practicing your transfer technique over and over and over again is really important and helpful 
and will give you, um, will ease up on that, the pressure that's created in that moment. Uh, and um, so now you're practicing your transfer getting that tight um, you also could just use a uh, pen to draw on there like a sharpie pen a couple different techniques of sharpie pens are used sometimes you might use a couple different colors to lay out um uh, the shapes of lines you might have a couple different areas if you're using a pen and ink on the surface like you do have potential to tattoo over that ink line that you drew on there and transfer that ink directly into the skin it's a tiny amount of ink uh, but i've seen tiny little bits of residual of ink go into from a, like a sharpie line get tattooed if you're trying to tattoo a different color and you got a black sharpie line and then you come over it and then the, it will grab that ink and you'll see a little bit of it in there i mean it is tiny but it definitely is possible um anything you're putting on the surface you know you can use this what's called a surgical pen which is essentially just a disposable sharpie which also sharpie it turns out are disposable um but it's just it's a small amount of ink so it's, you're not having to throw away a whole ass sharpie but uh, that's also not in the realm of tattooing safely you're gonna throw away a lot of things um you're gonna be disposing of a lot of stuff um but sharpies can really put down a lot of ink and if you're using a lighter colored sharpie you're gonna have a little bit less those inks just aren't really a transfer especially like the reds and shit reds are really hard to get a good red color and that's pretty much not show up on a tattoo um so you can draw it on there um you know if you're using like a rollerball pen with good ink you're definitely going to be putting a kind of ink that could be tattooed i mean if you want to tattoo with a stick and poke that's a great place to get your ink from it's one of those rollerballs uh, i mean another way let's uh let's see jailhouse style of making ink is you can get um you're gonna want to get a big pen and then you're gonna i feel like it's like the outside of the pen you can use i've heard of a couple different techniques of burning stuff where you're actually like you're gonna burn something and create some soot you can burn some stuff and have a little cup where you can catch the soot on top of the cup and that you're getting a nice refined um it, much like you would like if you're going to cook your potato and make some sumi ink um you can cook your you know your big pen and capture the soot from that and then get some sort of alcohol based mouthwash or shampoo and mix it in there and make your ink um also don't recommend it unless you have like at least 25 years but then in that case totally recommend it um and but we're using regular ink and we're being careful about the ink that's laid on the skin with the line so that we're not transferring that also um and we actually have a real machine not a tattoo gun made from a walkman but also really encourage trying to make a tattoo machine from a walkman um or other mechanisms i built them out of walkman or hair clippers that was a really crazy one um that i can't believe that worked but it did work it was very aggressive um, so there's lots of ways to give there's lots of ways to give bad ta bad tattoos and there's only a couple ways to give good tattoos but what is a good tattoo it's all subjective you know and we're just humans um battling against our own mortality so here we are uh, 
give you a tattoo. Transferring the image. You got your image transferred. You're feeling comfortable with that. Okay. You've practiced that. You've um, thought about different ways and different kind of substrates that you might want to use to transfer, whether it's a thin type of paper, what kind of paper that you have that on, whether it's carbon paper or transfer paper or tracing paper, like a thin tracing paper that really, you know, lays down on the skin nice, like how that kind of, how you follow the curves, um, maybe how you cut your paper so that it does lay out nice. Um, and then you're going to want to be able to get that tattoo, um, into that skin in a, uh, oh, excuse me, um, into a nice way. Here we are at the Palo Alto fire station. That's a cute little town, you know? It's really, they really try hard to be cute. And they do a good job. Um, they really, it is a cute little place. Um, I wouldn't ever want to get arrested here or uh, be in any situations. But um, they make it look nice on the outside. Um, now... You're going to want to think about the flesh because all the different kinds of flesh are going to make a difference where it is on the body how much sun exposure it has how thick the skin is like you're trying to get this ink and this needle to get through the dermis and onto that top one or two layers of the epidermis um and so you're trying to get through the first two to four layers of skin and trying to hit right in there in that area in between the dermis and epidermis and lay that ink in there really carefully on top of the epidermis. You don't want to blast through the epidermis and get it underneath and have a blowout um, where the ink will kind of seep and get a little more cloudy. Um, and that's where the depth of penetration, I mean, you're essentially like it's a piece of paper thickness and the piece of paper is wet and um it's and you got a needle that's you know potentially your throw is going to be at 16 330 seconds um you've got a decent throw so you can see but if you just if you twitch you're gonna just blast it right through you're going to cut that flesh and you're going to um go way too deep so you're going to want to be you know really careful you're going to want to think about this flesh and how tough or how soft this flesh is um you know there's areas like on the side like on the ribs that it's like the skin is extra thin but like extra tough it's almost it feels like i don't know if it's like the pores like the tightness of the flesh in such a way that it just is a pain in the ass to get in it just does not want to go in there it's hard to see getting in there it feels like you're going to tear it up it feels really really fragile but also very tough very resistant to taking the ink and there's places like that that are just like oh they just they just get you all bundled up all tightened up and it's really hard to do and like getting in there and once you've started you know that's what you're doing that's what you're doing for the next couple hours is um getting you know three inches from that flesh and looking at it really carefully and seeing what you're doing and sweaty profusely um you know, there's places on the back of the arm that it's like, it's tough and it's like on the forearm and it's like, it's, it's tough skin. It doesn't tear as easily. And it's just, it's thick enough 
that it is you have a little bit of forgiveness where you know you can almost hear the sound of the the machine like if you've got your machine tuned just right as you apply the needle to the flesh you'll hear it bog down a little bit like if it's so turned up that it doesn't the sound in the machine doesn't change at all when you go into the flesh um you probably got it turned up too high and that can be a little tricky uh if you turn it down at just to the place where it you hear it go bog down just a little bit as you go into the flesh that'll give you a little bit of knowledge about where you are and how that's working um and it will help you but it's also that is a certain the way that it bogs down it's going to bog down in a certain type of um flesh where you might be in a very delicate flesh that it's just not going to and you have to really be feeling and looking to see um how that um how that line is laying and where you're getting your ink in there. Oh, okay, here we are. I get to the hot shop here. Um, I go fire up. Make these, make these cute little pony head stir sticks. What color should I make them? Um, I feel like I could put some cute colors on there. I always like white, but white is such a pain in the butt to use because it so easily gets dirty from the metal tools. And I'm always so good at like using the wrong end of the tool and not having it all super tight and clean. And I rub schmutz all over my white. Um, so maybe I'll do... Maybe like... a. I mean, maybe a ruby. How about ruby? That sounds fun, right? Ruby colored pony stress I don't know. Ruby's so expensive these days. These things really need to be ruby. Jeez, Eli. Um, so you're going to think about flesh, and you're going to think about how you might want to get a tattoo into flesh. You're going to think about the delicacy of flesh and how it's a delicacy and how it's also delicate. And you're going to think about um, how hard this all is. And then let's see. We've got our tattoo transfer. We've got our machine. We've got the flesh. The next thing we need to talk about is stretching the skin is um really is using a three-point stretch for on your right hand with the machine you're gonna use your your wrist the ball of your wrist and push it down and then you're gonna use your thumb and your forefinger on your left hand to stretch it and so all of your hands are hard at work here and that's just in the easy place um and so there's some other places that's going to be really hard to get those kind of stretches. And so you want that skin to be stretched tight like a drum, which also makes it even harder. Um, to get in there. Because you're stretching this wet piece of paper <laughs> so tight that like it's you could just blow right through it um so look if you want to give a good tattoo um well your first one's not gonna be good but um if you want to get a good tattoo go to somebody that's given a bunch of bad tattoos um and if you want to give a good tattoo well you better get practicing it on your thighs um that's a great place. Give tattoos or throw some parties and um, do some party tattoos. There's a lot of things to think about here. Um, 
we could talk about i could do another one of those we could talk about the rotary machines and other different kind of machines and <clears throat> sticky pokey styles and other non uh non-traditional ways and other traditional ways that are non-european non-american um but I think this is a good overview of like getting in the basics and like a good um, conversation, good conversation starter um, on Taddy Blasters with Uncle Eli. Um, so I'm going to get to work. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, you know, uh, holler at me if you got any questions. Um, and we'll. Um, Sure, we'll be talking soon. All right. Well, this is a message. Bye for now.